today's episode is uh, the third and final episode in our three-part series about Zach, a youth who we once served at the Coffee Oasis, uh, who eventually ended up taking his own life. Um, but as we talk about his story today, I'm joined by uh, two guests as we talk about mental health and uh, the effect that Zach's passing had on the Oasis Youth Center in Port Orchard. Let's get into it. The Coffee Oasis presents Street Lives, a podcast created to give you a personal glimpse into life on the streets and updates about the Coffee Oasis. The Coffee Oasis is a faith-based nonprofit in Washington State that exists to change the world for homeless youth in one community after another through evidence-based programs supported by sustainable coffee businesses. With over 40,000 students experiencing homelessness in the state of Washington each year, there's a problem. And that problem is that so many youth that are aged between 13 and 25 are homeless. And the aim for this podcast is to address that problem head on and share with you the solution that we've come up with, loving those students. Now you may be asking what that looks like. And for us, that looks like a series of youth programs that we've developed and on this podcast, we're going to tell you stories and information about the people that we interact with because we believe that it's our job to change the world for homeless youth. Street Lives is their story and the story of those that love them. My name is Cody Clark, and let's walk through this together. Welcome back, listeners. Uh, we are at the final stage of our three-part episode about Zach. Zach was a youth who uh, we served at the Coffee Oasis, um, who was loved, who struggled, um, and who ended up unfortunately taking his own life. Um, we are telling Zach's story uh, because we believe two things. Uh, we believe that Zach's story is unique to Zach but we also believe that his story can help others. And we wanted to take a few episodes to tell his story, to honor him and to help people out there who may be struggling. In episode one, we discussed Zach's story. We talked about how he ended up at the coffee oasis and how I actually knew him in middle school. In episode two, uh, we sat down with two people who knew Zach really well and got to hear their perspectives and what they knew about Zach. And we even got to hear some of their uh, most favorite and fond memories. Uh, in today's episode, I sit down with Paul Morris, who uh, I've had the pleasure of sitting with every episode for this uh, series. Um, Paul is the person uh, who was the Oasis Center supervisor and knew Zach really, really well. Uh, we are also joined by Dave Seacrest, who is a therapist uh, who works with youth in Coffee Oasis programs. Uh, but another reason why we're doing this is that September is National Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. And there are so many people out there hurting and going through hard times right now. And there are a lot of people who may be struggling with suicidal thoughts and suicidal ideation. And we would love to help bring hope and uh, some sort of light into the people's lives. And we wanted to take just a few episodes to make sure that people out there knew that there are other people out there who love you, who care for you, um, and you may not even know them yet. If you are struggling uh, with mental health or suicidal ideation um, or need help or even just want to have a conversation with someone, the Coffee Oasis has a uh, crisis line that you are able to text and have a conversation with a real life person. Um, and so if you are hurting, if you are experiencing some sort of crisis, or maybe you just had a bad day and need someone to talk to, uh, you can text the words help, um, or you can even just text the words hi, uh, to three, six, zero, three, seven, seven, five, five, six, zero. Again, texting three six zero three seven seven five five six zero 
Now, that number is really important because, again, if you're hurting or you know someone who's hurting uh, who is aged between 13 and 25, we are here for those people and we have staff and volunteers ready and waiting to have a conversation with them and to help them uh, go through what they're going through. Uh, but again, as we move forward into this episode, uh, I want to invite you to the conversation that I had with Paul and Dave, who are wonderful human beings and so excited to share with you our conversation. Here we go. Uh, greetings and salutations, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today as we continue uh, to talk about Zach. Zach was a youth who attended um, the Coffee Oasis programs, who dealt with depression, uh, who had a family, who had friends, and who tragically took his own life in 2015. In the previous two episodes, we spoke about his life, his time at Coffee O, um, specifically in the youth center, we spoke with his friends who cared about him. Uh, we told stories and talked about different things that he struggled with. Today, we're going to chat with Paul Morris again, who uh, is our current Coffee Oasis outreach uh, manager and who is a previous Port Orchard Oasis Center supervisor. Um, it was in this job that he met Zach and, and got to know Zach really well. Um, we will also be chatting with Dave Seacrest. Dave is a therapist and owner of Come Alive Youth Services, which is a therapy group that is contracted through the Coffee Oasis. So good morning, both of you. Thank you so much um, for joining me today and creating the final episode about Zach. Um, normally, I ask you to introduce yourselves, but, you know, I kind of already did that. Uh, so why don't you do us a huge favor and tell us a fun fact about yourselves. You can now talk about your fun fact. Fun fact. Well, let's see. I am going to jump out of an airplane on Sunday and uh, be strapped to a parachute. I was going to say, hopefully, first time in parachute. my life. So I'm, I'm excited and scary. hopefully we'll return to uh, tell you how fun it was. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Another fun fact about myself. Well, I think last week I shared that I played the ukulele. Um, yeah, I uh, used to act in high school and plays. So looking forward to getting back into community theater. Uh, this year was going to be the year, but fortunately, you know, COVID. Yeah. Uh, so that's been kind of a little bit of a barrier. But yeah, it's a fun fact about me. I love I love to act. I love acting. I'm not surprised by that. Just so you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really not. Um so again, thank you guys so much for joining me this morning as we talk about Zach. Um, let's 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 get into it. Um, Paul, uh, we have talked about Zach and his story the past couple of episodes and um, told people that Zach took his own life. But but let's talk a little bit about Zach toward the end of his life. We we know that Zach was dealing with depression. We we know that he dealt with depression. You know even even since you met him, you, you knew him as he was walking through that. Uh, what was going on in his life? Do you have an idea of what, what stresses, what things might have um, uh, helped, you know, make his depression worse? I am not really sure. Uh, I was thinking about this uh, last week when we were talking about this and I, Every time I think about Zach, I think about this question in some way or some form. One of the things um, about Zach is that he was a survivor. Um, he was couch surfing and living out of his parents' truck for a long time, almost the entire time I knew him. As far as like big life changes, nothing really like pops out. Yeah. Um, that's kind of one of the scary things when I think about suicide is that nothing major really needs to happen for somebody to um, take their own life, yeah. you know. So it was, um, for me, just thinking about that, when I think about it, it's like he had lost a place where he was staying somewhat recently, but he had done that multiple times. Um, he was in a relationship so I, I'm not exactly sure what was going on in those regards, but yeah. overall his life was very chaotic, but it was like his norm. I was going to say that's a chaos that, that almost seems normal. And the youth that we serve just in general have a pretty chaotic lifestyle. 
Um, and, and, and going back to uh, the conversation we had with Tim last week, who was on the second episode, um, uh, he's the one that called you. He's the one that told you what had happened. Um, I know you touched on this a little bit last week. I, I would, I, 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 I'm curious to see what your reaction was. How did you react? And then how did the youth in the center react? Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, I, I guess. <laughs> I, I know it's deep. I know no, it's personal, it's, but I know we're getting right into it. Yeah. I'm fine with that. I, I believe in the power of vulnerability. So yeah, I'm you just do gonna be vulnerable with you guys uh, right now. Uh, it was, it was probably one of the worst days of my life. Yeah. I, um, I remember Tim calling me and him telling me that we don't know where Zach is. No one's seen, no one has seen him. Uh, do you know where he was is? And I was like, well, he wasn't at late night last night. It was on a Saturday. And so I just started messaging, texting some of the youth that I knew that I knew that were friends with him. None of them have seen him, had seen him either. Uh, Tim called me like probably an hour or two later and said that they found him. I had like this like relief feeling, you know, I was like, oh, he's missing. And then they found him. But um, then he told me that he had died and that it was a gunshot wound and that he was below the Tremont Bridge. And I'm like, what on earth happened? You know, mm-hmm. I was devastated I start it wasn't until later that it was ruled a suicide but um yeah I probably sat on the floor and I think I cried for like an hour two hours I I called my girlfriend at the time and I was like this happened and she was trying to console me she's like what do you want me to do do you want me to come over I was like no you know I was all trying to be like all tough and stuff like that but I was just like a puddle and um yeah the only other person I could think to call was Dave um Frederick and um he was obviously sad as well um he asked if there was anything i could do for me and i was like could you just pray and he just prayed for us and um yeah it was it was the beginning of a long mourning process that i'm still kind of in the process of um and that next week you know that whole weekend was just you know of course there was a mired by this event it was it was all that i was thinking about and i my my supervisor at the time and his supervisor um who are both you know friends of mine they they reached out to me like hey paul you know um i know you're close with zach um i know that you know this is really hard that he you know killed himself do you do you maybe want some time off you know and i thought about it and i was like you know I probably could use some time off and I'm working on my boundaries. I maybe, maybe <laughs> this is a not having good boundaries thing, but it was also, I realized that Zach was a fixture at Coffeeo. He was a fixture there in the center. And I was like, if I'm hurting, there's going to be a lot of young people that are hurting too. And I was like, I have to be there on Monday. Yeah. yeah. I posted on our um, page that Monday, we're just going to get together and talk about Zach. Cause by that time, pretty much all of them had known that he had died um yeah so we saw a lot of youth there some youth i hadn't seen in a long time and we all just kind of sat in the center together there was probably like maybe 40 or 50 people in our youth center and we're just sitting there and we were just processing all together and i was like and we had a time where everybody shared a story of zach i got up in front of them and probably cried more i i'm pretty sure i did telling them how much i missed him and how much i loved him and i just reassured all of them that like you're going through this stuff you got to talk to somebody about it and i i think the the youth that were closer to him you know were are still processing it for years after that we would get together on the day of his of his death which is this saturday actually i'm planning on this conversation actually was like hey i should we should start doing this again so we're planning on going out um to a park and social distance and remember our friend Zach and I'm uh yeah it was an impactful I think for a lot of youth and I think for a lot of youth they realized you know this could be me this could be my friend like it was my friend it could be another friend it could be in so many I think it was a reality check I think um for a lot of youth and just how fragile life is and how we just kind of need to be kinder. I mean, that lasted for a while, but yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> then, then, you, know. You, you get back to daily life and that kindness kind of goes away. Right. Yeah. And, 
and and it's crazy you, you know i so i have experience working with youth I've, i have a lot of experience working with youth about 10 years of, uh, of experience working with youth and and i can tell you from my own perspective uh the answer to, to this question but dave i want to ask you as as a therapist um who meets with youth consistently, who um, helps youth when they're hurting. How common is this? How common is it that, that youth are feeling this way, that that for youth and young people to feel hopeless? Yeah, well, I'll tell you, it's, it's a lot. I would say, you know, feelings of hopelessness, unfortunately, have become the norm. Yeah. You know, what causes a youth to go from hopeless one moment to considering ending their life. Um, un- unfortunately, I think it's more common than we realize. And what a challenge it is to be in that position of recognizing with a young man like Zach that, that his life was chaotic and that there was a normalcy to that. Um, and then probably some secret hope that he would be okay. And then to find out he's not okay. Um, so I would say, unfortunately, it's very common. I know that just the norm of, of development from, from the junior high to high school age teen, there's so many moments of indecision and trying to become something that yeah. they don't know how to become that yet. Yeah. They can sort of conceive it in their mind, but to work that out as an experience and become more mature or become more consistent in their lives, it's a very difficult time for youth um, to go through that process. And so it's very common, I would say. And to get to a place where you consider ending your life as a result of that, um, very unfortunate, but very much a reality yeah. of something that we embrace and, and have to work with to try to help these people not go down that road. Yeah, so I, I, I want to give some perspective on, on, on what I've noticed. So I um, I worked for a nonprofit who works directly with um, uh, youth uh, the aged, you know, from kindergarten to, to high school. And um, we were based out of a middle school. And I, I got to be a part of a program that another nonprofit came in and did um, called Point Break. And we you know, it's all about anti-bullying and like friendship and all that other stuff. And it it was so good. But at the end, they do this thing where they line youth up. And so it was, it was strictly for eighth graders and eighth graders only. And, um, they line up at one side of the gym and the, the narrator, the the person who's talking tells them to uh, take a step forward. If, um, take a step forward if you have a parent that's in jail. Take a step forward if you if you uh, have been bullied. And, and, and the whole point is you take a step forward, you look around and see you're not the only person. And then when you're done with that, you take a step back and you wait till the next person or till the, the next question or next statement is made, right? I think the most heartbreaking thing I've ever experienced tonight, like, I called my mom weeping after this because it's a two day thing. And, and, and the first day it's half of the eighth grade class. And the second day it's the other half. And the last thing that they say is take a step forward. If in the past 12 months you've thought about ending your life and literally out of, I mean, hundreds of kids that were in that room in that two days, literally half of them took a step forward. And, and you know, I, I can say that I've experienced my own pain. I've experienced my own trauma and, and we all have our own stories and our own trauma. But for me, it's so hard to imagine because I've never been in that spot. But, but Dave, I think, I think the thing that you, you touched on was, was that it, it, unfortunately it is, it's more, uh, it's more common than we, we really think it's more common than it's more common that we're seeing youth who are hurting, who feel hopeless, who don't know what to do because of trauma, because of these things. And they just don't want to talk about it. Right. They don't, they don't want to, they don't want to acknowledge it because then it comes, it becomes real. Um, so, so Paul, when, when Zach passed, um, you know, we, we, 
even now we're talking about how you're still dealing with it, right? You're still learning how to, how to process that. Uh, what are some things that you really struggled with when it came to Zach's death specifically? Um, I know it's a loaded question. I know, no, it's, um, I mean, I think this is the thing most people struggle with when someone they know and love kills themselves is the question of why, Yeah. why did this happen? Yeah. Why, why now? Uh, why didn't they reach out for help? Why, um, all those sorts of things. Um, for me personally, it really hit me at a time where I was like, why do I even do this job? Why am I even here? Um, there was somebody who was obviously, obviously struggling and obviously had a huge need. And yet I wasn't there, you know? And as somebody who's working with people that are experiencing, um, trauma or have gone through hard things, we can oftentimes get a savior complex. So my, my savior complex got hit right, right in the heart. Um, as much as I loved Zach and if I could do something that would have helped say, stop him from committing suicide, I, I would have done it. But the fact is I couldn't do it. You know, it was his choice. And that's been something I've been struggling with. I mean, all the time, you know, and it really, it hit that lightning rod in me and like, what power do we actually have to make change in general, let alone just to change. If I can't, if I can't affect change in somebody that I love, somebody that I see almost daily for years, what change can I actually make? And, um, that's kind of one of the things that really tears your heart out when it comes to suicide is because it's a choice that somebody's making, you know, there might be extenuating circumstances from case to case, but you know, generally somebody just doesn't do it just because it's been something they thought about and often an opportunity can come around and it's just like, you can't protect against that. If the enemy that somebody is dealing with is inside their own head and inside their own heart. And that's just one of the things I always struggle with. I still struggle with to this day. Yeah. And, and last week when, um, when we ended recording with Tim and Maxine, you know, you, you stuck around and you wanted to encourage them. And that was, that was amazing. But you, you said something that really stuck with me, um, that, and you, you just touched on it too, was that, that it was Zach's choice. And that in the end, more than likely there was nothing that anyone could do to stop him that unfortunately that's just what he was going to do. Right. And you can't sit here now, years later, I mean, this will be five years and, and, and have that, that thought of, well, what if, because that's going to continue to tear you apart. And, and I, I know that, I know that that thought does nothing but cause harm. Right. And instead of healing, it causes harm. And, and when something like this happens, it's really important to take step forward, take steps moving forward in, in a healing way. Right. Not, not dwelling, not, not feeling guilty. And it's so hard. You use the term survivor's guilt last, last week. And again, that's something I've been thinking about and, and, and you're totally right. Um, so, so Dave, how can we support people in our lives that are feeling suicidal, who, who feel like they're hopeless, who, who might self-harm? How do we help support those people if in the end it's all up to them anyway? Yeah. Well, it's a, you know, there's, there's a, there's several responses to that question. Um, my first thought is do what Paul does, you know, and I'm saying that to encourage my friend here because, you know, just um, being available to people is a huge thing. Yeah. And, you know, I remember um, many times thinking of creative ideas to engage someone. Um, doesn't always have to be the mental health route. Maybe it's let's go, let's go do yoga together. Let's go play some racquetball together. Let's go learn to play the guitar Let's um, drive three hours to the middle of nowhere. Yeah. You know, that's that's a story from the first episode. 
So find, find a way to communicate that that person matters to you, even if you don't feel like you have the answers to, yeah. that, to their to their situation. Because I, I do believe that relationships are where we experience the most brokenness in our lives and relationships are where we can experience uh, the most healing in our For lives. Sure. And we have to really look at why is that? And, and you know, a relationship can be challenging, but it can also be life-saving. Um, so I think to support someone that you know and love and care about, tell them. Tell them that you know them, that you care about them, that you love them, and then show them those things through your actions uh, if there's any way possible. And if you're not able yeah. to do all of those things, do something and then find other people who can also help. Uh, because it's a tall order um, to, to fight something that is invisible in someone else's heart. Yeah, Paul, it looks like you have something you want to say. Yeah, um, just to kind of go back to, I think it was the first question that you asked me about what was different. Yeah. And what Dave, when Dave was just speaking, talking about community and the importance of just being in relationship with people, I guess the one thing I would... I would really um, notice from just Zach in the last few months of his life is yeah. that he really was isolating himself mm, from mm-hmm. uh, from his community that he had at Coffee and that yeah. potentially because he was aging out soon. I think he was twenty four, twenty five. It was it was he was ages out at twenty six. So. Yeah, it, it would have been close. Yeah, and I think that there was um, some some fear there yeah. for him, and. Um, that he was going to like lose that support. But I mean, that's one thing about the coffee oasis family is, I mean, there's youth. I mean, I can't call them youth. They're older than me, (laughs) but there's people that come through here, um, that went to coffee when it first opened and, you know, and they're able to talk to people still as adults. I mean, hearing stories of, of former youth coming in and talking to Dave and they remember it being in in a coffee shop, having teen night once, once a week, right? Like, like we, yeah, (laughs) we, we hear those stories because that support system is still there. Right. Like, but I can't imagine, like you said, being close to aging out, and not knowing what's next. Yeah. So, I mean, the enemy, I guess, in thinking about that is just isolation. Kind of follow up a little bit what yeah. Dave was saying is like isolation can be tough. <laughs> yeah. Can, can you imagine if we lived in a world where we felt we, we felt OK or felt good telling people how we really feel about them? I mean, and, and especially, I mean. Well, and, and that's and that's the hard part, you know, because I think about, you know, being middle school, high school, and even, you know, a young adult being the tough guy, not wanting to tell people that, that I love them when in reality that they mean the world to me. You know, I I think that the world could be such a better place if we were open and honest. And Paul, you said it in the first episode, kind. Right. Well, this might be a little bit off topic, but I mean, we're talking about suicide. I think it's one of the things when I talk about suicide, especially to young men, is yeah. that young men commit suicide at a much higher rate than women. Um, it's because they I, yeah, they, they don't want to talk about their feelings. And a lot of it comes with that. And yeah. that's one of the reasons why when I stepped into this job is like, I've always been somebody that's been vulnerable, but yeah. like in, in this job especially, because there's a lot of hurting, angry young men out there who do not know that there is an, a safe in way to express their emotions rather than through anger and rage. For sure. And um, that's something that I try to live by, um, even though I do have road rage from time to time. I mean, who doesn't? Know? Let's but, be real. And I'm playing through some video games where I get stuck on a level. I'm like, Sometimes you, you just know? have to throw a controller. You I know, mean. Thankfully, I haven't done that in a long time. Those <laughs> controllers are really expensive now. Yes, but, yes, they um, are. I'm a PC gamer, by the way. I don't use controllers. But Ew. anyway, um, uh, PC, Master Race. Anyway, I'm oh, sorry. Shout out to all my PC players. Anyway, oh. sorry. I'm getting way off track. Anyway, um, but anyway, yeah. I think it's just really important that, um, especially for young men, to have an outlet to be able to talk about how they feel. Yeah. Because men feel just as much as women do. You yeah. know, there's always that 
cliche that women are more emotional guy. I mean, you, if you think about it, William Shakespeare was a dude. You know what I mean? And that like, dude had all the feels. All the feels. I mean, most of the guys, you know, it was like, yeah. dang, you ever read a Shakespeare sonnet? Man, they, it's like, <laughs> I don't understand half the words mean, but I'm sure they, 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 they convey every emotion possible. Definitely. Oh, sorry. So let's, let's get back on track, I guess. <laughs> um, so as we're, we're talking about you know, just being able to let people know how you feel about them, you know, being kind, telling people you care about them. Um, and, and, and even noticing when people start to seclude, right? Like that's, that's, that's such a hard thing to do. Cause I can tell you in my life, I don't realize when I'm trying to self isolate, like it's just, it's subconscious, right? It's really hard now, especially <laughs> with the coronavirus. And that's why when I'm just thinking about this pandemic and all yeah. these things, it's like, Man, check in with your friends. If you haven't talked yeah. to somebody in like a week, just give give them a call and just yeah. be like, "I've been thinking about you. I love you." I mean, don't lie. If you don't love them, don't tell them that. But you know what I but mean? For like, sure. <laughs> well, and and it's funny too because, and I shouldn't say funny, but but when I when I talk about the friendships that I have and the relationships that I have, I if I haven't heard from somebody in a week, I I know that they're hurting. Like. So being able to have those conversations with them about their mental health, about how they're feeling, about what they're going through and letting them know like, hey, like, I love you. I'm so glad that we're talking. I'm glad that we're, you know, connecting. Let's let's Zoom or something soon and like hang out, even though we can't be in person. And I know everyone is tired of Zoom, but at the same time, that's what we got right now. Right. Like, let's take advantage of it. Um, so so, Dave, if there was someone sitting here. There was a youth sitting here who was experiencing depression, dealing with suicidal ideation, um, who's hurting and, I mean, is honestly just thinking about ending their own life. What would you tell them in this moment? I think if we think about ourselves in our own feelings, in our own minds, whatever the lowest place has been for any of us listening to this. Yeah what we need more than anything else is to know that someone sees us in that place yeah, and someone is willing to be there as much as possible in that place with us. And so whether it's through the words, my physical body, the way my posture is, the tone of my voice, I would want that person. And I do this on a regular basis. I want them to know that I see them, yeah, that I don't necessarily need to, change their thinking as much as I need to join them where they are because I believe if you know back to what I would tell them if I can get to that place with them then what I have to say might matter yeah but before that can happen they need to know that I really care about yeah. them and their situation and where they are and then from that place you know, people are smart. They, they, they had goals. Maybe they still have goals, but those goals aren't what they're thinking about yeah, right now. Yeah, it's not the priority in that moment. They're too far yeah. down the rabbit hole. So just helping them see that I care and, and that I, I want to help them as much as possible. Yeah. Um, really, that's where you got to start before sure. you can have a conversation. Well, and, and it's, it, it's really interesting because thinking back to all the time that I worked with, you know, even six-year-olds, half the time they feel like nobody understands them, right? So you have to get on their level. You have to have, yeah. you have to be eye to eye in the moment with them, understanding how they feel and having them explain it to the best of their ability. Right. It's the same thing, right? Like we always, we want people to be on the same level of, same level as us. We want to be able to talk about how we're feeling, even when society tells us we can't, right? Like, which is dumb because as a human being, we have the right to tell people how we feel and, and, and all of that. But um, I, I think it goes back to just being on their level, right? Like understanding their pain and not minimizing it, right? Like I feel like that happens so much yeah, where, yeah, the reason I'm going to end my life is because I am alone in my misery. Yeah. If someone can join me and I'm convinced that I'm not alone, there's a chance. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't there that phrase that's like a misery shared is a half joy or something like that? Yeah. Is that like some old, yeah. I mean, as cliche as that might sound, it's really true. Yeah. Sometimes 
the best time of my day is just complaining to somebody about my For day. Sure. And then and they're just like, yeah. even if they don't say anything, it's just like, well, there it is. And and we all have those things, right? Like we sometimes we just need to vent. And when you don't have a place to do that, it builds. And it can build in lots of ways. It can build in anger. It can build in even suicidal ideation. It can build in all of these things. You know, I think that... I think that's the hard part about this, right? Like when we go back and we talk about Zach's story, he had people around him. He had, you know, he had a community. He um, obviously was dealing with depression. He, you know, he, he was struggling and that's the hard part. Like we can't go back and focus on pain and trauma. We can focus now on Zach's story and why Zach was unique, how Zach was unique and knowing that Zach was loved end of story. Right. Um, I, I think yeah. something that Zach, um, his life and his death taught me and I've had other friends and people I've known that have committed suicide is like, there's no formula for it. Yeah. You know, like there's people I know that had huge friend groups, you know, yeah. that they were, you know, I don't even know if they knew that they, how loved they were. I think that's the thing that's yeah hard and difficult. It's yeah. like, these people are love. It's just like, how do we communicate that? You know, how do we communicate that? Some people, some people communicate love just by you being there with them. You yeah. know, we talk about love languages. Yeah, whatever. exactly. Love languages. You know, some do it through words of affirmation. It's just like, just get to know the people in your life. I know that it's like, it sounds really cliche, but it's, it's true. Really get to know the people in your life, I think is one of the best ways that we can just be there for each yeah. other is like, don't I mean it's great to know what their favorite movies are it's great that you have a laugh with them I mean I've inside jokes with my friends and I've had friends for years and then one day I'm just like have you ever thought about killing yourself and it's just like what what are you what are you talking about and then we open up and have this four-hour long conversation about how they were like suicidal all throughout high school and 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 you had no idea had no clue yeah and so I think there's a lot of um people are just are not really comfortable getting into those difficult conversations and i think yeah it's one thing that we can do is be able to have those hard conversations for sure bring up those things that are difficult yeah. that are are hard yeah one more quick thing you know paul talked a while ago about being vulnerable anyone listening if you have someone family member someone real close to you and you know they're depressed and suicidal Start with your greatest fear in that relationship. Maybe let them know that your greatest fear is that they wouldn't know how much they're loved and how much that you love them. And then stay with that with them. Yeah. Be vulnerable um, because we can't control the outcome, but we can control what we can give to someone regardless of the outcome. And that matters. It really does matter. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's great. Um, so in the first episode, I got to tell a story about how I knew Zach in seventh grade. Um, and, and at the end of that episode, I, I, I also told our listeners that I was going to circle back to my last interaction. Um, so I didn't have another interaction with Zach while he was alive. Um Paul, I, you might have something to, to say about this, but, but I'm going to talk about what happened when he passed and being um, able to come in and uh, speak actually at, at the center when it happened. Um, so Paul reached out to me and was like, hey, um, it would be great to have you come speak at some point you know, uh, during the center uh, hours and share your testimony and all that stuff. And um, I told him, like, I, I know that, that someone in the center had just passed and I know that youth are hurting. I know that you're hurting. Um, I had a friend who passed in high school. He died in a car accident. It's been 11 years um, since that's happened today. Like as of now, it's been 11 years. Um, And I remember telling Paul, what if I came in and told them, my story about my friend passing. Now, again, my friend didn't take his own life. It 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 is different, completely different. Um, and and so we came to the conclusion that it, it that it might help. Um, and so I came in, 
and I, I shared with them, you know, when my friend passed, the only thing that got us through that, got my friend group through that, um, actually the same friend group that I left the goth and alternative friend group for, um, when the, the thing that got us through it was each other being able to vent to one another, you know, I mean, I I remember sitting in one of my closest friends house, all of us together, weeping together. I mean, we were literally together every day for like two weeks and all of our parents knew all of our uh, teachers knew everyone, everyone knew what was going on in our lives. No one said anything to us. And so having that support system was really, really helpful. Um, and I look back in, into the life of Jesus. Jesus was extremely intentional about the people that he spent time with, the people that, that he had in his inner circle. Um, and so I was able to, to speak to the youth about that and, and be there with them and, and, and just be in that moment. And I remember, you know, how somber it was, but if there was any way that I could give them hope about the people that they spend time with, the people that are around them now, that community is so important. The community that, that went through that together, right? Like, Paul, I'm sure to some degree, and and you can speak to this, I'm to some degree, the youth that were closest with Zach, I'm sure to some degree that there's a special place in your heart for them because you went through it together. Um, and the, the crazy thing is, I didn't know that I was... I didn't know that Zach was Zach, if that makes sense. When, when, when Zach passed, I didn't realize that that was the same person that I was in seventh grade with who was weird kid. I had no idea. And so it came full circle that, that I was able to help just be there and tell people my story and, and, and have that conversation about community. And, you know, we, we, we've talked a bit today about the people around you. There's so many people in, in our lives that sometimes it feels like people don't care. So I want to challenge our listeners. Um, I want to challenge you to, to go out and tell people how you feel. Encourage people. Love people. Because I believe that could potentially save someone's life. Um, as we're going to end, I want to ask you guys if you have any last things you want to say. I know Paul does. Yeah. Um, I would just like to thank you for having the opportunity to share about my friend. I was um, pretty apprehensive about doing this. I, the last thing I ever want to do or have ever wanted to do in my, my job at Coffeeo is like exploit yeah, youth. For sure. Um, I usually never posted anything online or anything yeah. about the youth just because I was wanted to protect them and let them know that my relationship them was w- with them was genuine. Um, but I, I, f- I feel that this has been very um, healing for me. Um, I think it's been healing for friends that we talked to last week. And I hope that... Yeah. One of the main reasons why I want to do this is because if you're like out there right now and you're honestly thinking that your life is might as well be over and that if it doesn't end by some other means, you're going to do it yourself. um, Don't um, just don't do it. Don't don't do it. Call somebody. If they don't pick up, call somebody else. If they don't pick up, call somebody else. If they don't pick up, maybe call the, you know, you can call the crisis line for Coffeeo or text the crisis yeah. line. There is people out there. Um, what you're going through is going to pass. The hopelessness, even if you felt it since you were a kid, it's going to pass. Even if you felt it your entire life, it'll pass. You know, maybe this is my foolish optimism that I live with. I don't know, but... I, I struggle with depression. I, I don't know if I said that earlier. Um, some days are harder than others just to exist, but we exist and I see the sunrise, I see the sunset and it's like, that was a good day. Yeah. You know? And so I love Zach. I loved him very much. I still love him. 
and anyone who knew him, I I just would love for you maybe on the, I guess this won't be published for a while, but just take a moment and just think about some of the good times you had with them, all right? And just think about, you know, if he was here now, what would you say to him? And then maybe say those same things to somebody else who is still here. Yeah. Um, because the reality is, is we never know where anybody is at. You know, we work with a homeless community and at-risk community, and the struggles that they go through are so difficult. And especially with the stigma that so many homeless yeah. people have yep. within their communities. And that's one of the reasons why Coffee Oasis and organizations like it are so important. We're not just here to give resources. We're here to change um, change the world for homeless youth. I mean, that's what our mission is. And like, Our job is not to change them. It's, it's to help the people around them change. Yes, that's a huge yeah. part of it. And yep. so... I guess what I want to say is that homeless people are people too. They have a story. They have people that love them. They had parents that loved them and cared for them. Maybe not enough, you know, for what they needed, but they had, they have hopes and dreams, you know, they're people and, and we can all do a part in conversations with our friends in conversations that we have with ourselves in conversations we have with them. We can treat them like human beings you know? Yeah. And, um, I know that homelessness is one of those issues that people really like to just say, Oh, you know, just get a job or it's not that simple. If it was that simple, there wouldn't be homelessness. If it were that simple, we wouldn't be an organization. (laughs) I mean, you know, and I honestly, I pray for the day where organizations like coffee aren't needed because I just, I think that we can all just do better in loving each other and being kind to one another, being understanding with each other and just learn to be vulnerable. So yeah. that's my that's my speech. <laughs> I, I it's a great speech, Paul. Dave, do you have any any final thoughts? I think just the cap on that is that we need each other. We're fragile people, all of us, and um, we've got to do a better job of reaching out to folks. And for those of us who are struggling, <clears throat> we've got to do a better job of reaching out and saying, "I need help." Yeah, I need to spend time with you. And uh, so that's it. We need each other. No, no question about it. Mental health has definitely taught us some things, and um, you know, mental health is a is a great resource. But before mental health was here, friendships were here, relationships were here, and that's where we really need to do a better job for each other. Yeah, yeah, and 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 again, you know, if you're hurting, if you see somebody, you know, somebody who's who's hurting right now, um, there are resources out there. If you reach out to Coffee Oasis, know that. Yeah, you'll get the resources you need, but it's so much more. Um, and, and going back to what Paul was saying, you know, this this was not about exploiting anyone. This was um, not about bragging about Coffee-O. Um, th- this, is, this is an important story to tell because this was a person who um, impacted so many people's lives. Um, this was a story that is unique to Zach and... Um, I feel like being able to tell his story and talk about the people who loved him, um, but also talk to the people who are hurting and know that there are, there, there are people out there for you. You may not know it. You may not realize that there are people who care about you, who love you. Um, but, but I guarantee you there's, there's somebody out there for you. And in fact, if you can't think of anyone, Again, if you're 13 to 25, call the coffee. Oh, I guarantee you'll find somebody who loves you there. Um, because we are all about building relationships, all about building relationships. Paul, Dave, thank you so much for joining me today. I know that this was a uh, little bit of a heavier episode, but um, again, I think that being able to talk about Zach and his story um would a provide healing for, for the people who may still be hurting after his passing. Uh, but also hopefully his story will help provide hope for the people uh, who are hurting the young, the young people who are hurting. Um, and again, just providing perspective on, on pe- for people who know someone who's hurting. So uh, thank you both again so much for joining me. Um, Paul, I know that this has been, kind of a journey for us i mean the first episode we recorded three times i think three times something like that yeah um 
and and being able to have a conversation about all of this and and know like you know i got your back i mean you and i have known each other for a while now and 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 again being it's interesting that 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 i didn't know that zach when he had passed was the same person that i knew and it, it it's it's just it's crazy how um god brings everything together um, and here we are talking about Zach and his story and the, and the impact that he made. So, um, yeah, Paul, I'm, I'm glad that we were able to do this and um, be able to connect over this again. So, uh, again, thank you listeners so much for joining. Uh, we will see you next time. Well, there you go, everybody. Thank you so much for joining as uh, we walk through Zach's story, I want to take a quick second just to say thank you again uh, to the people who joined me, Paul Morris, Maxine Evans, Tim Blair, and Dave Seacrest. Thank you so, so much for joining me um, and being able to talk about Zach and his story um, and, and, and the people that he impacted. Um, again, I, I gave a challenge during that, that conversation with Dave and Paul. And so I, I have two challenges actually for our listeners. One, um, make sure that you are telling your people around you, the people that you love and you care about, uh, how, how much you really do care about them. Again, it really could save a life. It could make someone's day so much better and brighter. And the second challenge is to write down the coffee oasis crisis line uh phone number and have it on you that way when you run into somebody who's experiencing uh some sort of crisis who is a young person age 13 to 25 you have it on you and so i'm gonna i'm gonna say it again just so everybody has it um you can also find it on our website www.thecoffeeoasis.com but the crisis uh intervention text line is 360 three seven seven five five six zero again three six zero three seven seven five five six zero thank you so much for joining me throughout this whole journey as we talk about zach and his story um this is why we do what we do at the coffee oasis there are so many young people out there who are hurting and we want to bring hope to the streets again thank you so much for joining me wherever you're listening please if there is a rating system please rate us and please also remember to uh, subscribe to this podcast as well that way whenever a new episode comes out you know when it's there Thank you so much for uh, joining me as we get to talk about the youth that we serve. We'll see you next time. This was an episode of Street Lives podcast presented by The Coffee Oasis. Intro music written and performed by Josh Rawlings, mixed by James Redfern.